Hello and welcome to episode Hello and welcome to episode 20 of the DX Mentor podcast all about the WRTC. Thank you for joining us. This episode is sponsored by Icom America, maker of the finest radios and accessories for your amateur radio station, and by the Daily DX, the best source for real-time DX information. It's also sponsored by DX Engineering, your one-stop shop for all amateur products and information. This episode is also sponsored by the Southwest Ohio DX Association, one of the premier DX clubs in the nation. I'm Bill, AJB, the DX Mentor. My guests are DX gurus that we can all learn from. In this episode, we will attend a detailed discussion on the WRTC. My guests are Joe, W-A-G-E-X, Bill, A-C-0-W, and Charlie, N-G-0-C. Now let's tune into our gurus and find out what aspect of the WRTC they're discussing. So hello and good evening and welcome to a special uh, edition of the DX Mentor uh, podcast. I'm really excited tonight. Uh, most of the topics we talk about, I, I know something about, uh, but this WRTC thing that's our topic tonight, I know little about, and I'm hardly qualified to say the letters, but we have two people here that can, so um, I'm really excited. So I'm going to introduce our guests, have them uh, tell you a little bit about themselves, and we'll jump in. But overall, the topic is the uh, World Radio Team Championship, or the WRTC. Um, so, uh, Joe, why don't you start us? WAGEX is with us. Well, good evening, everyone. Nice to be uh, part of this. I'm like Bill. I know very, very little about WRTC, uh, so this is going to be uh, very educational for, for everyone tonight. Uh, I've been a ham since 1970, uh, pretty much a, a DXer, worked uh, all modes, all bands, and um, just absolutely, I'm, I'm on the radio just about every day. Um, some people think I'm a professional ham, but once in a while I do go outside and cut grass. So that's pretty much the story with me, Bill. Okay, and, and we also have Bill, AC0W. Bill, go ahead. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I've been, I, I beat Joe. I've been uh, ham since 1969. And uh, I got started and we moved to a new neighborhood. And uh, so a couple of the kids in the neighborhood invited me out to field day. We went out to field day, had a blast at field day. And that's really what whetted my appetite into contesting that, uh, you know, running the doing the pileups and things. And I've done other things on and off, but I keep coming back to contesting. And uh, over the years, we can talk a little, a little bit more. It's like, well, you know, I got to get better. So I keep changing things and keep at it. And and as you saw, we ended up at WRTC this year. Yeah. So, and, and I know from my affiliation with the Twin Cities group, you're also in the ARL field organization. Is that correct? Well, I am a director. I'm the director of the Dakota Division, representing the Dakota Division and the board of directors for the ARRL. Okay, and great. I'm just yeah. finishing my first term, and uh, I got, uh, well, you could say I got reelected. Uh, nobody chose to run against me, so I got uh, it by default. So I'll have a second term starting next year in that. Well, congratulations. They knew it would be a waste of time to run. So congratulations. <laughs> yes. Uh, and we also have Charlie, NG0C. Charlie? 
Yeah, hey, uh, thanks for having me on here. Um, Charlie Anderson, um, my whole ham background, I guess. Uh, it was about 2006, 2007. Um, I live, was living up in Alaska in Fairbanks. And uh, one of my buddies was a uh, ham and was into um, communications and that. And he would just hand me a radio, a little portable, and I'd take on the trap line with me or all, uh, deer hunt or uh, moose hunting. And um, it was a, kind of a necessity back then because um, that's the only communication I had back to town. And so after a while, I said, well, what's it going to take to get my license? And so he says, well, let's study up, which meant basically showing up in his garage and, and drinking some beer and studying ham radio for a couple of nights a week. And I got my uh, tech, and then I got my journal a month later in 2009. And then um, that kind of took off from there uh, with Alaska. Um, the, the, the nets were really nice and, and fun because a lot of the people out in the bush would chime in and check in. And it was more of a, you know, hey, call the folks in town and let them know I'm okay. And when the next plane comes out, you know, bring more sugar, you know. <laughs> and so uh, it was more uh, of total communication necessity uh, when I got involved. And then I fell into contesting uh, probably 2010. And I've been, I've been an addict of contesting since. And then I got my extra ticket uh, to get more bandwidth. And then um, I moved back to Minnesota, my, my hometown of St. Peter, in uh, 2013, and fell into a whole bunch of good hams in the uh, Twin Cities area and, and, and the outstate. And uh, I guess here I am. So, you, you know, you may have given me a tip. I think I'll take a radio with me when I go moose hunting in southwestern Ohio. So, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> So in, in general, we, we want to talk about the WRTC uh, first without getting into your specific uh, terrific trip over there. So what what is the WRTC? Well, a World Radio Sport Team Championship. It's held every four years. And um, there's a it's basically you really don't sign up for it. Um, it's uh, the minute you submit a log to a contest that you've been in, all your scores kind of get tabulated. And um, they end up on the WRTC website. And um, I believe uh, for the last 2022 WRTC, I believe it was 2019, 2020, I believe was the contest seasons. And um, there was 24 different contests. And if you scored well enough in those contests, you basically got into a ranking. And um, um, uh, for the certain different um, regions in the, in the world, um, they were all broken down. We were North America 10, which is basically kind of the Midwest, I would say. And um, uh, if you scored well enough, then you, you were either invited as a team leader or you're in, you got invited to come with from a team leader. So that's how we kind of got involved. Yeah, it's uh, the intent started, I think, back in 1990. Uh, at a time when the World Olympics, there were some struggles there. And a group started the uh, uh, Goodwill Games out in Seattle. And a group of hams decided, you know, let's take advantage of this. We're bringing, we're trying to get together with Russians. And so let's start this uh, event called the World Radio Sport Teams Championship. And that went so well, they decided, you know, we got to do this every four years like the Olympics. And uh, Goodwill Games have gone by the wayside, but the 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 WRTC is still continues on, and basically it wants to be in the 
the Olympics of uh, amateur radio contesting. And as we saw, um, you're really getting the best contest operators from the, around the world. There was uh, 60 teams there this time, uh, two people in the competition. And uh, it, it was definitely a different experience for me than uh, operating from my home station. And, and, and you two are seasoned contesters, obviously. How did it feel to walk around and see all these other calls that you recognized? Oh, well, uh, for me, being kind of a newer uh, contester, I say, um, uh, it was phenomenal. I'd never traveled to Europe before. So just going to Italy alone was a, was a trip. And then um, running into all these familiar call signs and putting names to faces, that was, that was pretty neat. Really, really neat. Well, I'll say Charlie's a little modest. Uh, the first day when he arrived, I arrived a few days early uh, just to take in some scenery. And Charlie arrived and he gets there and he's starstruck, I, I would say. He, he just <laughs> likes seeing all these Hollywood stars. Uh, me, it was, uh, I was, I had a great time. It was interesting. Everybody, we knew all of everybody's calls. We haven't met each other, but. It was like instant recognition. Hey, Bill, how are you doing? And uh, we get get chatting. In fact, the uh, company that they hired as the event organizer, they were just surprised how all these people from the world around the world they've never seen each other, and they're instantly friends and talking to one another. It was just a wonderful experience. Very cool. Mm -hmm, great. So when when you show up then. Um, and I want, I want to talk about the opening ceremony in a minute, but um, how, when you get to your station, are you all somewhat, I mean, all these teams are kind of in the same area or at least the same, how, how did they get to a level playing field, I guess is what I'm asking. That's kind of where the team championship um, gets its equal footing per se, because we're all in the same region. And I'm not sure how far apart we were, um, there, I'm sure there. a couple of teams. Yeah, the stations were probably within about a um, 60 mile radius of the, the uh, headquarters. Yeah. So, so we were reasonably close. Okay, and, and we and had one of the furthest away. And reasonable accommodations, right, at each spot. Uh, it it varied. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> month before what. You know, things change, plans fall apart or whatever. A month before this event had that area, Italy had some pretty serious flooding. Oh, yeah. And several of the uh, sites uh, were no longer usable. So they were scrambling to get some sort of site on some of these. So <laughs> there's a few sites that wasn't weren't quite as equal as the other. But generally, the region, it's all flat. The terrain's the same. Uh, so some of WRTCs had issues with mountains and hills, and you know this was pretty e equal. The intent was the stations would be all the same. They were all supposed to be bed and breakfasts out in the country. Um, so trying to equalize as much as possible. They tried. They did do a little um, site research, come in there with receivers, and make sure that there was minimal noise. And unfortunately. In some cases, uh, they didn't do it for a 24 hour period or overnight. So yeah, you go in now and you listen for an hour, it's good. Well, uh, one site came back at midnight 
some outside lights came on and they had a lot of noise. So it's, oh. and, so yeah, so it, it, they, they do the best they can with, you know, they could, what they have. So how do they um, obtain the property? Um, most of it is basically working out a contract with the places that they've uh, selected were all what they call agricultural B&Bs. They're out in the country, in the farm country, and they're doing this agricultural tour business, trying to get people out there to these farms and seeing what's going on. So there's space, uh, and it's just working out a contract with them. And um, they do get, you know, the, the site does get money. I mean, they're renting the site, and they get permission to set up the antennas and and permission to run cables into the building um, and such. So it's just a negotiation between the organized committee and the landowner, property owner. Let's take a break to learn about the, the Daily DX. Hey, I just poured you a cup of coffee. You look pretty happy. How'd you do? I worked him on the third call. Can you believe it? You worked him on the third call? Seriously? I thought you just had that little pistol station. I do, but I have a secret weapon. A secret weapon? What is it? Information. I knew when they were on the air, their operating habits. Heck, I even knew the equipment they're using. I just had to be there when they came up on the band. I even beat the spotting network. Wow, how'd you manage all that? I get the Daily DX from Bernie, W3UR. In addition to the weekly and daily bulletins, I also receive special notices when things change in real time. I feel that I'm always on top of every de-expedition. So now you just need to confirm it, right? Yep, that's it. Bernie even helps me with that, giving me QSL routes and QSL managers if they don't use LOTW. The Daily DX is a DX bulletin sent via email to you Monday through Friday. It includes DX news, IOTA news, QSN reports, QSL information, a DX calendar, propagation forecast, and much, much more. With a subscription to the Daily DX, you will also receive DX news flashes and other interesting DX tidbits. Bernie's been an integral part of my confirming over 300 entities and WAZ while operating a modest station. W3UR Bernie is the editor, a member of the DX Honor Roll, a member of the 3000 Challenge Club, as well as the editor of the How's DX column in QST. He is uniquely positioned to have his finger on the pulse of the DX community and shares this information weekly. Why not let Bernie be your secret weapon? You can get a free two-week trial at www.dailydx.com. Now let's go have that cup of coffee and tune around. Wow. So how how do they how do you so we'll start with the antennas first, right? Do you all have the same antennas? Identical. Yes. Really? Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's one thing that keeps the playing field square is every tower, every Yagi, every um dipole is the same. And so um we're dealing with a hundred watts and um I'd say compromised antennas. We had a um, our eighty meter dipole is basically an inverted V with the, the, the tips being about six feet off the ground. And so um, it's, it's, it's not a contest station, but 
everybody's in the same, everybody's got the same thing. And mm-hmm. so it, it, uh, it, it, it leveled everybody out. Okay. So what kind of antennas uh, were they, Bill? Uh, you had a uh, tri-bander for 10, 15, and 20. It was basically a two-element tri-bander, uh, commercially made. I don't remember the brand, but uh, somebody developed it and provided at a reasonable cost to the committee. Then they had a 40-meter dive inverted V and an 80-meter inverted V. Um, Okay. Dry banner is up at about 35 feet. They have a uh, falling derrick tower that they install and get it up there. They had a rotor on it, so we at least can rotate it without from the operating station and not like field day going out there and move it with your arms. Yeah. Um, and as Charlie said, the both dipoles we could manually tune the ends, um, especially like the 80 meter dipole. We, it came to and for CW, and there's a way to shorten it within a few minutes to go to phone portion of the band. Um, but that means, but we weren't allowed to uh, get up on ladders or climb anything. We had to do it from the ground. So that, that puts the ends at the five or six feet off the ground. Um, so th- those two dipoles really kind of limited our reach during the nighttime hours. Uh, but again, everybody had the same thing. Sure. So yeah. those antennas, um, are they the same ones that was used last year? I mean, that's equipment that the committee owns? No. no. All this stuff, every year, um, all these stations are donated, basically. So the previous contest, it was totally different. Okay. And I believe this year was uh, Mamo Beams, okay. I believe, yeah. to give them a little shout out. Um, and, uh, these were, um, basically sold, um, you could, you could actually put an offer in, um, and, and buy the station after the contest was over. Mm. So next year and the next four years, the 2026 will be a whole different from scratch again. And, and build the radios the same way. The radios, we bring our own radios. Oh, oh. they, 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 they provide the antennas. So all the antennas are the same. They have the same feed line and all the antennas. We aren't allowed to do anything with the feed lines. Um, and we're, um, but after that, it's all our equipment. We have to bring it all. We have to bring in antenna switches, uh, operating as a multi-two with two transmitters side by side. We have to bring filters, bypass filters. And in this case, you're only in, provided one beam so you bring a triplexer so you both stations can operate on that beam at at the same time so there's a lot of auxiliary equipment that we brought along to set up the station and you saw all sorts of different types of radios uh we only brought two radios uh there's some teams brought six different radios we're only allowed to have two radios and a spare for each radio on site and uh, it was a, something Charlie and I discussed that based on history and things um, and travel and carrying equipment, we just opted to l- minimize the amount of spares we brought. And, and you know, if a radio died in the middle of the contest, well, so be it. It died. <laughs> yeah. We, well, the other thing with uh, Charlie's experience, um, we knew we weren't going to be in the top five to begin with. So um, why should we go through a lot of extra st- 
and we may lose a few spots because we lose a radio. Right, right. So when when do you get assigned? You you don't know on your way over there that you're going to be at this location or that location, and you also don't know your call sign, correct? That's correct. Um, everything happens um, prior to the contest. We had the opening ceremony, and then we had a meeting uh, to get our our we got we drew our call signs. And then the final meeting in the morning before we went out to the site is when we got our location. And everyone, everyone had no idea where they were going until they drew their their um, their station location and they could leave from there. Okay, wow. And so, in terms of call signs, I mean, we drew the envelope with the call sign. That envelope was not open until 15 minutes before the start of the contest. Oh, so you're actually on site, then you open your envelope. Right. That's mm -hmm. awesome. Wow. Um, and what bands and what modes were you allowed to use? We're on 10, yeah, 10, 15, 20, 40, and 80, and okay. sideband and CW. Now, did I read that you got more points for sideband than CW? A little bit. It, it, some people made a big deal about it, but it's... Um, you know, like a sideband is worth three points and a CW is worth two points. Okay. And it varies a little bit between a Europe con, what would be considered from Italy more domestic, a European contact is worth less than versus worth in the United States. Um, so we were encouraged to go for a further distance. But again, some of the antennas and the heights of the antennas limited our reach. Wow. Okay. Well, I know we're bouncing all over the place, but what was that? So when I was in AAU basketball, I used to love those opening ceremonies because that's when it kind of hits you like, you know, I'm really here for something. Right. So how was that opening ceremony for, for you guys? Um, for me, there's, like I said, there's a room of 130 some odd or 140 some very popular, you know, ham radio guys from all over the world, including the referees and the competitors. And, um, yeah, it was just really, man. Yeah, it was. It was pretty for me. It was. It was really cool. It was really, really. Um, yeah, I was starstruck. I'm not gonna lie. Pretty touching. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was very. It was. It was pretty neat. You know, one of those, uh, one of those things that man. I don't. I don't know if I'll see that again. You know, it was a pretty That's good experience. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It. It's for me. It was more of. Oh, yeah. It's reality struck that now I got it. You know. Time for time to get to work and do something here. <laughs> so you, you guys had nothing to do um, with setting up the site. It was all set up, and you somebody drove you to the site. Well, the antenna part. There's mm -hmm. nothing to do with the antennas. Now we're provided with the space and the tables and the chair, and we have to set up our radios, get them all connected. Uh, set up all the filters, and we have and we have to be tied to their server back at headquarters. We, so we had to get the network set running, and we had that was our challenge. We had Friday, we had challenge getting the network running, and then Saturday morning we had challenge getting it going. So fortunately, uh -huh. to their IT people, and we got them going. But uh, so there's there's a lot of setup. Probably um, if we had everything go smooth, we could have a station set up in two and a half hours, but we had uh, troubles both Friday and Saturday, so we, um, it took us longer. 
So did you have to provide your own uh, food, snacks, uh, drinks, whatever? Uh, pretty much the station um, um, hosts pretty much took care of that. And our referee was a big part of that as well. So if we wanted this, you know, hey, we, they'd go get it and, and we had it. So, yeah. Sure. Okay. yeah. So what role does the referee play? That was something else I found really interesting. Basically, um, there's a meter at the output of our radio set up that uh, monitors the, the wattage, the peak output. And um, um, with 100 watt radios, what we were running, it wasn't too much of an issue. Um, and But uh, yeah, he's there just to basically monitor and see if we're not, uh, you know, um, cheating basically because um, one very important instance is we cannot identify ourselves on the radio to anyone. We can't have any kind of cheerleading going on. So um, once we get that call sign opened up right before the contest, you know, even though, you know, say hypothetically, if I had talked to one of my buddies in Minnesota here, I couldn't say, hey, Rich, how's it going? You know, uh, that would be against the rules. But uh, um, um, otherwise, he's there just basically monitor and see that we're, we're, we're playing by the rules. And the rules are pretty simple. I mean, just don't, don't cheat. Yeah. pretty easy <laughs> and we don't you know they took our phones from us so we have no internet to get on you know it's not like we can get online and spot ourselves or or you know what have you so it's it's pretty pretty straightforward um was there any sort of a live scoreboard where you could see where your competitors or was it just your heads and i guess that's the other question how long was the contest the contest was 24 hours there was a live scoreboard but we had no access to it again okay. our our internet was controlled through their server. Uh, we don't, yeah, so we couldn't see it, and we didn't have our phones to um, go online and start looking at it. Uh, our referee was watching it, but he, he can't share that to, with us either. So we had no idea where we were at or how the other teams were doing. Did, so did where, were the where were the referees all from, Bill? Uh, Europe or all over the world as well? all over the world and um one of the requirements that they had was that uh, a referee from the united states couldn't referee a U united states team so we we had um well, i'm trying to remember where alex so was uh was from romania or slovenia gosh i can't remember now oh yeah something like that yeah so did, did you all pull an all-nighter and, and do the 24 hours, or how did, how did you do that? You did. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. my, that's officially my first time doing 24 hours straight. So, um, yeah, that was, that was interesting. <laughs> but you, now you know you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, being up for, you know, 10 hours before that, you're talking about probably 34 or 40 hours of, oh of staying up. So. So yeah. you were beat when it was over. Yeah, yeah. After the adrenaline kind of wore off, you know, later on, we went back to the hotel and, and had a big supper and stuff. And and uh, a couple glasses of wine sure did the trick when you're that, when you're that uh, <laughs> tired. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> now, for, me, for me, it wasn't the first time pulling something like that. So it, uh, and actually, uh, in March, I was down in... Uh, <clears throat> Papa Julia for golf, we ended up uh, not getting much sleep there. So I did 60 hours pretty much straight. So I um, knew I could do it. So did you have to work 
so many CW stations and so many phone, or you could have worked all CW, for example? Yes. Okay. There's no set rules. Yep. Okay. Just want to return you on. Well, the idea is you're trying to uh, maximize your score, so you choose what you think is going to get you there and in a mix. Again, the, the phone stations being worth more. I think you'll see that uh, in, if you look at the results, most of the stations ended up making more CW contests, contacts than the phone. The, uh, the rates just weren't on the phone as you can get on CW. Um, and uh, can, with the antennas, limited antennas, you just weren't getting out. Friends here in the United States told us we were pretty weak over here. Uh, all of the WRTC stations. So it's, and that's where the CW com, comes advantage. And now let's hear a word from one of our newest sponsors. Hey, Bob, I heard a rumor that you're now a licensed ham. Is that true? That is true. I'm very excited. I uh, passed the test two weeks ago and just received the call sign of Kilo Echo 8 Yankee Sierra Romeo. That's great. K-E-8-Y-S-R. Congratulations. I appreciate that. Uh, you know, I hadn't studied really for anything in many years. So I tell you, it was a little bit of effort, uh, kind of connecting all the dots, but it was fun. And I was happy and relieved to pass. Great. Well, what was the hardest part? Well, there were really two parts. You know, the first part was really just learning all the terms and slang. I can see that. that that's anything you get into. There's a whole uh, lexicon that you have to learn. What was the second difficult part? Well, you know, now that I have the uh, have the license, it's the equipment selection. You know, what antennas, what rigs, what frequencies for that matter, what accessories. I, uh, I want to do it right, but I don't want to have to mortgage the house to do it. On top of that, I'm in an HOA, so that's a special consideration and might affect what kind of equipment. Uh, but I'm interested in hearing what your advice is. Well, when it comes to all of this together, I, I just have two words, just two. It'll solve all your problems, get all your questions answered independently with technical support to back it up. Okay, give it to me. What are the two words? <laughs> well, the first one is DX Engineering. DX Engineering. DX Engineering is an American company who's committed to serving the ham radio community. At DX Engineering, amateur radio is what they know. From the pleasure of rag chewing, the satisfaction of working a new rare one, they understand your every need for top performing and reliable products. It's impossible to overstate the importance of filling those needs. Even if you're starting your amateur radio journey with a concentration on VHF and UHF, exploring the more local regional market, etc., DX Engineering has the products you will need and the expert advice to help you with your selection. You know, honestly, their goal is simple. Fulfill your needs with the best products and technical support. Yeah, that sounds great. I'm just not sure what facet of ham radio I really want to dive into. Well, I would say that whether you're answering a distance CQ or you're handling emergency traffic or you're, you're working a parade as a fundraiser, having the proper DX engineering equipment in your station or on yourself gives you the advantage of being able to hear and be heard as well as possible. The DX Engineering slogan is, the name says it all. Okay, well, that's that's one word or phrase, and that sounds like a good one. But what's the second word that you mentioned? Well, the second one is ICOM. They make the finest radios and accessories for the amateur radio operator. They're great supporters of the ham radio community, 
and they're sold and supported by DX Engineering. Uh, we're kind of back to that one word or phrase again. Yeah, it's one word. You're right. DX Engineering. It's the one-stop shop for everything you need. It, were there multipliers or was it straight number of contacts times, whether it was CW or sideband or? For us, the multipliers were countries. Okay. Um, so the idea is you work, every time you work a new country, that counts as a mult. And that was by bands, I believe. And also this is during the um, um, IARU International Championship. So there's a lot of IARU headquarters stations on. Those are also multipliers for us. Oh, okay. Um, and those are ones where you try to get them to move bands and get them on in different modes and to help with your multiplier count. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because I knew they were the same weekend. And I assumed that helped, but I've, I wasn't quite sure, you know, if there's too much on there and you're being covered up, right? Yeah, yeah. It uh, It's interesting. The... Parts of the world really were keyed on this, and this was actually held as part of that event. Uh, so our start stop time is the same as that event. Uh, so once people knew, oh, there's a WRTC station there, they probably, most of the time, they kind of gave us a clear frequency. Very cool. So let's talk about you two. Now, what did, what, how, what did you two, uh, first of all, who who got the invitation and who invited whom? Well, it's a, a longer story than I'll than I'll bring up, but uh, um, there was a, a a person in our area that ended up basically um, being offered the team leader position, but couldn't make the contest or wasn't going to go, and so then it filtered down to me, and I don't know how I did it, but uh, Bill was right behind me by a very few points, and uh, so then I was asked to be the team leader. And then I, offered, I asked Bill to come with. And um, I was kind of him hawing around, you know, because I knew I wouldn't be competitive. But I thought about giving it to Bill and giving him the chance to um, invite a, a, another well-known, you know, popular contester. And I thought, you know, this might be my only chance to really go, you know. And if I got invited, I'm, I'm going. So, so that's kind of where, uh, where we ended up. So uh, with Bill being the teammate and me the team leader, um, we did a few uh, practice runs down at Bill's uh, QTH, and um, um, and then uh, yeah, just basically made sure that our radios were working and uh, talking together, and we went. Very cool. So, um, Bill, what what contests um, individually did? I, I imagine you tried to do something to keep uh, keep tuned up before you left for Italy, right? So, what what contests might it, did you participate in to kind of keep yourself sharp? The uh, it's tough with it being in the middle of the summer is when this event is and um, the contest season sort of wraps up the end of March. Uh, there's a few QSO parties you can participate in. We did uh, Charlie and I did the uh, did we do the W no we did WPXCW we didn't do that yes one. we did yes. okay. Yep. At the end of May, there's WPXCW. We did that jointly. Um, for me, my phone skills are pretty rock solid. So I primarily, there's this, uh, CW Ops have these weekly events, and I did those every week and focused on 
speed and running on those events to just keep my CW skills sharp. Well, okay. Uh, yeah, and I'm I do the CWTs also. Those are those are really a hoot. Every once in a while, if I'm not quite sharp, I kind of get depressed. Like, oh, I can copy this every other night. I can't get it tonight, so I'm going upstairs, right? So <laughs> oh, yeah, you have you have yeah, I have those days and it's like none of this is making sense. Okay, turn it off and go away. <laughs> So you guys are you guys are both contesters, um, you know, at home. So when you went over there, was there any difference or just another contest per se? Basically, um, from what Bill and I talked about, kind of like another contest. Um, and for me personally, um, um, being a, a mixed mode. Uh, contest. I'm more of a sideband all the way through. Um, I just started doing CW contests in about 2019, and um, I can't I can't copy all that fast, and I'm not that great at CW. And so um, my strategy, or we kind of discussed, was that I was really going to try to to pound out some sideband and take advantage of the points. But then you know the conditions were as they were, so um, I did did a fair amount of CW too. So, um, in a contest mode, well, when guys are doing forty words a minute, and I'm sitting here plugging away at twenty-four words a minute, <laughs> you yeah. know. But but that's you know you're still still getting, still making cues. Yeah. yeah. Oh, if if you had a busted call, Bill, did that um, deduct you from your scoring? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If we busted call, um, in fact, I think they penalize you by taking one other call away on a busted call. Uh, if you bust the exchange, you lose that contact also, but they don't penalize you on the busted exchange. Was the propagation significantly different over there than what you were used to here, or was that too short a sample to really? Well, I think, and I heard, had heard from others before that the difference over there is, I mean, 20 meters is open all night long. Mm -hmm. you, you had access to stations on 20 meters and 40 meters is open a big part of the day whereas here we typically would see 20 meters close at some point for you know four to six hours or more at night and you're really stuck with the 40 and 80 meter bands whereas there uh, for the most part we had one station on 20 meters pretty much most of the time and the other one is bounced between 15 40 and 80. Wow man oh man so what what um if you if you knew you're going over there again and you have this behind you what would you do differently yeah i would definitely to be a to go as a competitor again i would make darn sure that i'm doing 35 words a minute cw because i mean like like bill mentioned and um i kind of knew it going into it it, I mean, when you're talking CW sideband modes, CW, man, if, if, if that's, that's where you're, you know, um, that's where you're, that's where you're making most of your cues. And so, um, that's what I definitely, and I worked my butt off. I, I, to be honest with you, I haven't even put my, hooked my radio up since, since Italy. <laughs> Cause from January through, that's all I did was, was work on CW, work on CW. And I kind of just got burnt out to be honest with you. So. But you know, with CW, you know how it goes. You just gotta work at it. Yeah. And so well, the thing I I've always took the approach that uh 
Yeah, I, I'm busy with things and I've never really put a focus on trying to qualify. If I qualify, I get I and I get to go, I'll go and enjoy the and it was definitely a good experience. I had some I've saw learned some things about what to do, but this time I guess the person really needs to start preparing to go now to, for during the qualification. You need to work out all the details about the two radio. We we have to do a recording of our audios and things and uh, so if you do get to go, you've got it working. In our case, we were one of the last teams so selected, and we had a much shorter time period to try to work out those details. And we didn't have them all worked out very good, which impacted our how well we operated when we were there. So it's this person's got to start. It's just like the uh, the Olympics, you know, those athletes are preparing for the, those events years in advance and with their goal that this is, and you really got to do the same thing for this thing. So do you have an advantage to go back next year since you were <clears throat> editors this year? No. No. Nope. <laughs> no. <laughs> nope. Only, only the, only the winners, the, the champions from this year are, are automatically invited to go back and, and defend. But everybody else, it goes right back to the qualification. Sure. No. So you get back, and now you have this closing ceremony. I, I assume after some rest period, right? Um, what What was that like? Uh, for me, it was a tremendous relief because um, basically, I, I stopped drinking in in January to prepare for the contest, and uh, boy, to sit down and actually have a glass of vino was pretty darn nice. So I. Uh, um, yeah, it was, it was nice. It was, you know, the contest was over finally, and um, all the preparation, you know, was it was it was complete. And so after a good night's sleep, you know, the next night, I believe Monday, yeah, the next night yeah. was the was the banquet. And so the 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 uh, committee and the rules committee and stuff, they had to crunch all those uh, all those uh, um, logs and come up with the the final results in in 24 hours wow so they uh they had their work planned out for them but but for me it was great it was just nice it was just uh you could just take a big deep breath and relax and um and then uh sit back and 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 you know talk to my new ham friends and and uh have the the ceremony let's pause so we can hear from a dx club that is one of our sponsors dxing is even more enjoyable when you make connections with other dxers a major sponsor of this podcast is the Southwest Ohio DX Association, or SWODEXA. SWODEXA is best known for hosting the DX Dinner and DX Forum, as well as the DXpedition of the Year Award. All these DX events are held annually in conjunction with Hamvention and are among the most well-attended and notable DX events of the year. Joining SWODEXA will give you access to a great group of DXers, an informative newsletter, preferred seating at the DX Dinner and the DX Forum, and you will be supporting DXpeditions to the top 50 needed DXCC entities. Check us out at www.swodxa.com and click on the Membership Info tab for more information and a registration form. Um, I, I hope you don't mind me asking, did, did you guys go solo or did you bring somebody with you to to go to Italy with you for a while. I'm just curious. 
We've both brought our spouses. Okay. All right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I was just curious. <laughs> that would be a heck of a commitment, right? To have all those months and then heads down for days and then fly back by yourself. That would have been a yeah. challenge. So that, that was part of the reason why I think it was three days early that I went so that uh, my wife and I could have some time doing a little sightseeing and what I had planned to do for sightseeing we didn't do but we still enjoyed the uh, area and um, visited several different restaurants and enjoyed the food and the and the, the local town we were at the people were very friendly. So what town were you actually um, coordinated out of in Italy? Um, at South Bologna about 30 miles and it's what castle castel castel st pietro right yeah something right castle with the spa or hot springs area this town has several uh well in fact our hotel has part of the hot springs in it that we were at let me know Joe, if you want to go, I'll carry your uh, I'll carry your rigs for you. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about rigs, what kind of radios did you guys take? I'll let you, Charlie. Okay, well, um, we brought uh, the old diehard uh, ICOM IC seventy three hundreds. That's the radio I've had for my contest uh, station for for years. When they, I think the first six months it came out, and. Um, uh, you know, Bill has a multitude of other radios and this and that. And we thought, well, you know, for simplicity's sake and traveling all the way to Italy and uh, for money wise, I wasn't going to attempt to buy a, a, a newer high end radio just to go to this for this contest. So um, Bill borrowed another one and um, we uh, we went with that. Yeah, yeah part of it is, um, again, with all my experience, I was basically the technical leader on the group. You know, Charlie was name team leader. I acted. I'm I'm not a very smart techie type, so so Bill's so, the the genius. The, for me, the advantage of having the same radio as Charlie was that if there's any issues, I can work through it. I'm I'm not working with two different radios. Myself, I've operated so many different radios over the years. Um, it's easy for me to jump around on radios. Charlie, it uh, would have been a, a learn another advent, another thing in his learning curve to come to compete at that level. So we stayed with the radio that he's familiar with, so it can focus on other things. Wow. It, it sounds like you had a good time. You operated well together. You obviously seem to like each other, and that's got to be important. So, <laughs> yeah. and you're still friends. Yeah. Well, yeah. his wife's his wife's a wonderful cook so i like going down to his house oh all right yeah <laughs> so you guys live relatively close at home yeah we're about an hour apart oh okay wow. sure yep. yeah that's what bill and i are yeah at yeah. most yeah okay. actually we're both part of the same contest club minnesota wireless association so that's how we got to know each other and um yeah that's another one of my Hats I wear. I'm actually president of that club too. Ah. Oh. Okay. So would you uh, guys? Would you do it again? Yeah, I would absolutely 
I'm gonna I'm gonna compete and try to get good scores in these in the in the qualifying contest for 2026. If I get invited to go, um, but we'll see we'll see. My my uh, I'm in limbo as far as living quarters now. We're renting in town instead of having my my farm place, so my antennas are severely compromised. But that uh, um, if I can run 35 words a minute contest speed CW and I get invited, I will definitely go again. Um, yeah. It's in London next uh, contest, the next WRTC, yeah. and um, if it is all possible, I would almost rather go to volunteer and uh, and be a part of the contest if I if I don't get invited to go as a competitor. So, yeah. absolutely. Now, this is actually the first time where I'm actually going to put some effort into trying to qualify. So, um, so if I got invited, I would go. <clears throat> So, so you, you talk, we haven't, we haven't ahead, talked much about the uh, referees. So how are they picked? Well, they have to apply. Uh, there's a form they fill out uh, as a, if they would like to referee, they have to provide qualifications as to their experience. Uh, they need to be, uh, the requirement of the event was everybody speak English, so they would have to understand English. Um, and uh, like the one we had, he actually participated uh, in the past WRTC as a youth in the youth group category and did very well. And fortunately, now he doesn't qualify to be part of the youth. And so the competition at, in his area is rather stiff and he uh, didn't meet, make the qualification, but he applied and got selected for that. So Charlie, you said something about volunteers. What kind of volunteer um, positions or jobs do they have? Um, as far as I know, just about everything. Um, the, the site uh, station, the, the antenna setup, um, all that gets put up, you know, before the contest. Um, they need drivers to drive the teams here and there and to go to the airport and pick up crews and stuff. Um, whatever I can get my hands in, involved in if I if I go to help volunteer. Um, you know, well, even... Each, uh, site, each site has a coach as a volunteer, you could say a site host. And that person is supposed to be our uh, gopher. You know, um, if they, if we needed some supplies or something, um, they're supposed to be able to go and get those for us. Yeah, even if, let's say we need a bunch of bottled water, they're supposed to run down the store and get it or something like that. So Joe had an experience where he was on a Pacific Island and they realized they didn't bring any barrel connectors. So they, they were able to, someone was flying over late and they were able to get that resolved, but you can imagine the panic they had that they've got, you know, 10 miles of coax and no barrel connectors. Did you all forget anything or did you have any of those, oh my gosh, moments? Not this think. time. I've traveled to uh, Caribbean enough times and uh, where it's, I have my stash of this stuff is coming with me just in case, you know, barrel okay. projectors and, and uh, various types of adapters. Because um, you get on some of these islands, 
there's no electronic parts store anywhere nearby. Um, one, there may be a hardware store that you can get a few nuts and bolts, but uh, trying to put together a station and and you know bringing even extra coax, pack that. And uh, um, I didn't do it this time. I talked to talking to one of the other competitors. They actually they brought an extra keyboard uh, and which they used because their primary keyboard failed yeah. before the start of the contest. Uh, and uh, in my case, I used an actual keyboard, not my laptop keyboard. I, the spacing is different. And I'm found in the past, I make too, too many errors typing on the laptop keyboard. Wow, okay. So if, if your keyboard would have failed, uh, Bill, could you go borrow one or, or leave the site and go buy one? How would that have worked? Well, you should ask Charlie because his failed. <laughs> Mine ran off the bat, man. The same one I've used forever. Wireless keyboard, <laughs> wireless mouse. And I don't know, our rigs were too tight together on the table or this and that and just had some interference issues. And I just remember just pitching the keyboard and going right to my laptop. And then uh, um, uh our camp host had one that had a had a wired one, a USB, and so he slides that over and plops it in front of me. I'm like, "All right, here we go." So, uh, it, um, you know, it's 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 radio, you know. It um, happens. Yeah, yeah, and I haven't had very many issues in during contests, but uh, that one was kind of frustrating right off the bat, though. Like the first hour, I'm like, "You gotta be kidding me!" We come all the way to Italy, and my keyboard won't work. <laughs> so. <laughs> But uh, we got to resolve, so, yeah. yeah. Let's pause for a message from ICOM. Listen to you keeping your competitive contesting edge with ICOM. I know their high-powered base stations cut through pileups, letting you work the bands and record those contacts. You know, they let me contest from the comfort of my home or remotely with the RSBA1 app. You know what they say. Heard, heard it, it, worked it, it logged it. it. Didn't you start out with the IC7300? You know, I sure did. That was my first entry into the world of SDR. I remember. It, it's a high-performance, innovative HF transceiver with a compact design that will far exceed expectations. This innovative HF transceiver digitizes RF before various receiver stages, reducing the generated inherent noise in different IF stages. This is the radio that changed the way entry-level HF is designed. You know, it really did with RF direct sampling, 15 discrete bandpass filters. It also has a large 4.3-inch color touchscreen for operator convenience, real-time spectrum scope, and as all the ICOM radios have, it has an SD memory card slot to allow you to save and restore uh, configurations of your radio. So why does the IC7610 ring a bell? Well, the 7610 is the rig that ICOM graciously donates to the Southwest Ohio DX Association every year for our DX dinner. Um, that is what allows us to sell so many tickets because, frankly, everybody wants one. Oh, yeah, that's right. No wonder it sounds so familiar. The IC7610 is the SDR every ham wants. This high-performance SDR can pick out faint signals in the presence of stronger, adjacent signals. 
the ICOM IC7610 is a direct sampling, software-defined radio that has changed the world's definition of an SDR transceiver. You know, the 7610 features an RF direct sampling system that allows for 110 dB of RMDR. It also has an independent dual receivers and dual digi-select. Okay, so what's the top-of-the-line HF rig, you know, if I wanted to slip a little something special under the tree this year? Well, the rig on my Christmas list would be the ICOM IC7851. Ah, so that's the one that gives you a new window into the RF world and is HF excellence unparalleled with faster processors, high input gain, high display resolution, and a cleaner signal. It truly is the pinnacle of HF perfection. You know, it really is with dual receivers, digital IF filters, memory keyer, digital voice recorder, high resolution spectrum waterfall display, and it features enhanced PC connectivity. With all of this in one radio, it really is a shack in a box. So the real fun does start here for the love of ham radio. For more information about ICOM's amateur offerings, visit www.icomamerica.com lineup slash amateur. Well, yeah. very good. Well, I appreciate you guys taking time. Uh, is there anything I should have asked or I forgot or anything that... You know, you, so you get in an elevator with somebody and they ask you a question that I, that I missed or did we kind of cover it all? <laughs> I guess, I mean, as far as the WRTC goes, that's yeah. that's that's it. You know, um, uh, on, on another note, um, I didn't I didn't even know what WRTC was until I came across it on the Internet right in like 2018, 2019. I thought this is pretty neat. So then I, I started paying attention to the contests that were qualifiers, and I made it a point to, to make a good showing. And so, um, um, and uh, if, if you guys are contesters or DXers, I didn't have a very big station. Um, I ran a 100 watt barefoot with a 160 meter loop, 45 feet in the air, and that was pretty much my setup. So if you think you need to be a big gun and, and uh, have a monster station to be able to qualify, you don't. You need uh, you just need to do the contest and, and get your butt in the chair. So, well, I did. Um, I think you guys inspired me. I printed my uh, WRTC schedule out, and I have all the contests, and I put it on the calendar. And I even told the XYL these weekends, you leave me alone. I, I got to give this a try. <laughs> I don't think there's a. Uh, I think it'd be better for me to shoot a moose in Southwestern Ohio than qualify, <laughs> but. I also thought it would be a hoot and a reason to kind of drive and, and then have a real appreciation for you guys that are able to qualify and you finish in the top eight. Um, I, I don't. So what I come away a lot talking to Joe and, and some folks like him and Scott, right? K0MD. And it's like never being on a D expedition until I talk to those guys. I don't really have that appreciation for all they sacrifice and all they go through to get to an island so I can work them. Or I can complain when I got them on 10 bands and not 30 meters, right? So I'm thinking if I can at least go through this and kind of experience that, I'll have a much better appreciation for y'all that can can stay up. You can do the planning. You can do the work. Um, oh, and oh, there was a question. What logging software did you use? I was really curious about that. We used N1MM+. Plus. Oh, you did? Okay. Wow, all right. Uh, so on the... Um... Um, when it was all said and done, 
was there a first, second, and third place winners, or, or how were the winners chosen? I guess. Well, it's it's done by score, and uh, you know there is a judging committee. They go through the logs, and they actually use log checking software. So, uh, in one case, uh, one of the teams actually. And the Italians had a uh, their own software running, looking for the the cheerleading, you know, home stations trying to outwork their favorites. One station had several QSOs removed because of that. Um, so after all is said and done, there was uh, you know first, second, and third. Okay. And uh, unfortunately, I don't have. I know the uh, first place team um, was the Ukrainians. One person is actually living in uh, Canada, VE3 somewhere. And the other two teams, I don't remember. Uh, oh. Oh, very, very cool. Yes. Anything else, Joe? No. Well, I, guys, threw, I, I threw I the rest you... of my, my uh, questions away. Yeah. <laughs> well, the one thing you, you asked, you know, if there's anything else on Besides the whole event around doing the competition and meeting the competitors and things, there is a little, I'll say, social aspect to it. They do have tours for us um, prior to the, the weekend. And uh, Monday, we had time for some tours. And uh, my wife and I actually, we did a couple of the tours. We And being there in Italy, near, in, near Bologna, um, which is where Mar Marconi is from. So we actually toured the house there. We got to see the, where Marconi did his uh, experiments and did the first test of the wireless. Uh, so we got it, that was kind of neat, uh, a busload of us. And then uh, myself, we the, another tour we did, uh, we got to tour the, go to Ferrari and tour around there and Ducati. And uh, for me, I, I'm a, Another one of my interests is auto racing. So that was kind of interesting to see that. And, um, and the wife got a picture of me on a Ducati inside the museum. That there's one you can sit on. It's a, the only disappointment was I couldn't take it outside and run it on the roads, but oh well. So there's more than just the contest involved with this. Charlie may have been running single op if you'd have done that though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So what so, would you do, Charlie? What would you do different other than your um, code speed? Um, get set up to go. Would you do anything other than that? I would research the WRTC a lot more, just to get into the fine details of, um, you know, um, I, I looked into propagation from Italy, but I didn't really extensively go hard at it and look at. You know, I'm not really a numbers guy anyway. When you look at sunspot numbers and all this fun stuff, you just you just go operate. Um, but uh, um, I would do that a lot more. I'd research the the, the heck out of you know, like say 2026. It's 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 in England. Okay, you know, start start figuring out you know uh, propagation schedules and timing, uh, and um, um, really get into the actual specific contest, and um, you know. Um, there's a lot more that goes on, you know, than just sitting in a chair and playing radio. And so, um, that's, I mean, as, and that's, that basically goes along with any contest. Now I'm, I'm getting to that kind of level, I guess, to where, 
you know, figure out where I can make where I can make some more cues, where I can get going. Should I leave the band? You know, should I leave jump the bands earlier? Did I stay too late? You know, those sort of things. And um, you can do a lot of that just by going on the contest scores and 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 looking at the big contesters from London or Europe or or wherever you're you're going to operate from, and you can learn a lot. Yeah, you really can. And so um, that's kind of where I'm at. Okay. So, yeah. What I would do is I, I do some log analysis, and I haven't yet. I didn't do any before going over there and visiting with the other contesters, the participants. Most of them did analysis of the logs from uh, the previous WRTC. And I just, so during the event, uh, from, from my home station, I have a good idea what's a good run rate, uh, what rate should I change bands, what rate should I go to this and search and pounds or, or whatever. Over there, I didn't have that experience. And is this rate too low? Is Should I be changing or, or where, when, do, when do I change? And I, and I think that's part of a little bit of what Charlie's talking about. So gotta, mm -hmm. that's one of the things that uh, I got to work on, do some log analysis. And I, I've been busy with uh, all my other responsibilities. So I haven't even analyzed our logs yet to see uh, where we made mistakes. Uh, so the 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 three winners, uh, Bill, they um, they were more uh, proficient at at doing that, and and that's why they won. That would be a, a good part. You know, talking to them, they do okay. Their rate is down to here. They got to change bands. They they are very more proficient. Um, think all three of them were from Europe. I believe so. Yeah. So they're they're familiar with the propagation. I mean our experience with the 20 closing versus they they knew they could stay on 20 all night long. Um there's some advantage there. Um actually England's going to be one thing nice thing about uh Italy was you point your antenna north and you get everybody. It's <laughs> the band is open from east to west and once in a while, we would uh, tune it one way or another to help one direction. But England, it's going to be different. There's not much north of where we're going to be at to work. So you're either going to be focusing to the east to get to Europe or to the west to get to USA. Yeah. So well, you know, I didn't even think about that part of it because, you you know, if your rate hit, and I'll pick some number, let's just say you hit 47. You're saying, boy, relative to home, that's low. Here, that may be top end right now. And if I switch bands, I may get down to seven and wish I'd have stayed at 47. So that, that's interesting. Yeah. No, over there, the lowest rate I hit was about 100. Yeah. Um, I, and this is the last 10. It's not the last hour. It's the last 10 QSOs. Okay. Yeah, 100 Q, it would extrapolate. And, and I, I felt that was a little low. Um, that I should probably set it a little higher than that, but that's uh, it. It was at times it was difficult for Charlie and I to communicate. Our referee sat right in between us, where pictures from the other ones, the referee sat away, so that the two participants could communicate a lot easier than what we could. So you can, can coordinate those band changes, especially like 
Charlie's on the band I want to be on, and it's like, how do I get him to move? And, yeah. Very, very interesting. Well, um, Bill, I know you're a member of the Twin Cities DX group. Uh, Charles, are you also a member? Yes, I am. Oh, well, me being the editor of the newsletter, seems to me I hear a couple of articles coming my way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, hint, hint, huh? I'll tell you what, what would really fascinate me and a lot of other people, I think, is if you sit back and do your analysis, and then whatever the whatever your conclusions are drawn from, I think that would be absolutely fascinating. Just really, really neat stuff because yeah. because now you're getting to that that onion. You've peeled that puppy way down, and now you're at the core of it. Like, okay, but if we all have the same, let's just say the same rigs, the same antennas, the same propagation. Now, what's the difference? And yeah. and you're both excellent operators, so let's assume the whole room is full of excellent operators. Now what? And I think that would be the really cool thing. Yeah. Well, here's a quick, uh, just a little quick analysis here. The third place team made 5,057 cues in 24 hours. So two people uh, break it down. That's an average of 104 cues per per team member. The, the, the team that won only had 4,631 cues. So they had 400 or so less, less cues. And um, I gotta look at the points here. Um, oh, this gave me too much to look into. Um, but anyway, that's you start breaking down those numbers, then you figure out, okay, where did they pull their multipliers to gain that much more points? You know, um, that's that makes the big difference. Wow. Yeah, they they I know that winning team, they were really good at moving the multipliers. Mm -hmm. Getting them to change bands and all those things, and some of the other teams had challenges, and we really didn't do any of that. It's just uh, added a little bit more complexity to our operation. Now you said the referee was was right on top of you, so you had trouble talking. You're allowed to talk and coordinate, right? You're just saying that because oh, he was yeah. there. Yeah. Okay. He, he said. Basically, we were sitting close to side by side, and he sat right in the middle between the two of us. Oh, gotcha. Oh, that would be that'd be uncomfortable, wouldn't it? Yeah. So well, it was. I, I uh, could, yeah. <laughs> we we called that shack the chicken shack because uh, it was a small little room, um, basically a little cabin, and so we didn't have a whole lot of room in the first place. So <laughs> this is like you're on your first date, and Dad sits in the middle, you know. <laughs> <laughs> And it was hot, and there was no air conditioning, so that was the other factor that went into that too. So, oh really? Yeah. <laughs> Holy yeah. And you did the twenty-four hour. Man, my hats off to you guys. That's really, really cool. Yeah. Man. Uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you guys. You, you obviously held your own, and to be picked, uh, you should feel good, and I hope you do. And uh, um, by golly, I, uh, I appreciate your time. This is really, really interesting. Very entertaining. Um, do you have, um, I, I know I keep bouncing all over the place because other things are popping up. So I am a, a bureau uh, QSL sorter. Okay. So I have the N letters and I remembered, I gosh, I think it was the last batch I got. Uh, where was the previous WRTC? Uh, in Germany. Germany. Yeah. So yeah. I remember a bunch of German QSL cards coming through from the WRTC. They're all identical right, with different calls on them. So did, did you all have the opportunity to, to QSL via the Bureau, or was that just uh, in the in Germany at the time? 
That um, that was just Germany. The Italians haven't haven't arranged any sort of QSL st statistics with us or features. I just today got a certificate so I could load our um, QSOs up and allow them to the world. So I know that some people are asking about that. So we'll be, our QSOs will be up there for at least get confirmed that way. Very cool. Very mm. cool. Yeah. Well, guys, I, uh, I'm i looking forward to your articles for your newsletter. <laughs> um, and I really do appreciate it. This is very entertaining for me. And I know, I hope everybody tuning in will get a hoot out of it. And, uh, um, you know, if there's anything I can do or Joe can do to help down here, let us know. And, uh, uh, we'll keep rooting you on and see if we can support you. So I really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having us on. This was really fun for me, too. Yeah. Well, Very we'll interesting. Thanks a lot, guys. We really appreciate it. Yeah, we'll see you guys in uh, in England in, in 2026. Yes. Any, any chance you'll be coming to Dayton uh, for the Hamvention? That's a tough one. I'll be there this May. Okay, Bill. May. Um, well, we run the uh, DX dinner on Friday night. So, uh, yes. And okay. I'm the ticket guy, so just tuck my call away, and I'll take care of you. Ah, so okay. Well, I've, I've been there in the past, so yeah. Friday night. Right. Well, good. thanks again, guys. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Yep. Thank you much. Good night. Good, good night. night. Well, do you feel like contesting on a worldwide basis? I certainly do. Thank you for joining us on this edition of the DX Mentor Podcast. I would like to thank our sponsors, ICOM America, The Daily DX, DX Engineering, and the Southwest Ohio DX Association. You won't find anyone more committed to DX than these sponsors. I would especially like to thank our gurus on this podcast, Joe, W-A-G-E-X, Bill, A-C-0-W, and Charlie, N-G-0-C. I would love to have your feedback, answer your questions, and provide help with any DX or amateur radio issues that you may be having. If you need clarification on something or you just have a question, feel free to email me at thedxmentor at gmail.com. Please drop me a line if you've achieved an all-time new one, receive recognition, or you have a DX event you would like me to mention. I would be happy to do that. 7-3 for this episode, and thanks to my XYL Karen for her love and support.